Welcome to Code Splitters Podcast. I'm Paul. I'm Mikkel. And I'm Kevin. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this new episode of Code Splitters Podcast. Um, today, we are going to talk about something a little bit different. Uh, we are going to talk about uh, being a consultant, uh, which the three of us have a lot of experience with because we are consultants. So, um, but first, I'm going to uh, I'm going to ask you guys uh, what have you been up to since last time. Um, not too much. Uh, I think work-wise, it's still been kind of the usual, uh, the usual thing. So, um, not too much. What's yet. the usual thing, Kevin? What is the <laughs> usual thing? Yeah. Uh, you know, building components and then putting them on a website. <laughs> That's totally oh, yeah. fun. <laughs> yes. No, we're doing this. Uh, I'm mostly working on uh, a new brand site for a client right now. And uh, it's pretty much our standard um, CMS setup that we, we have in a lot of projects. Um, the view version, we kind of have a, or in the company, I think we now have uh, in, in, in our team uh, that I'm a part of and you guys as well, we usually do the, the stencil setup now. Uh, when building on top of a CMS, um, and then the team I'm helping out right now, they usually do a view setup on top of a CMS, but it's very similar, just uh, slightly different approaches. So I'm doing some view again, uh, which have been a while, and uh, I guess that that would be the new thing now that I'm talking about it. It's actually it, it's the first project that I've done uh, fully in View three. I've done one before where I've used the composition API. But there was still a few too, and it was like imported as a package. You could do it back then to jump on the train early. Um, but now it's a, it's a View three project, um, so that's that's nice. pretty cool. And yeah, I think we mentioned last time that View three is now also the default um, version when you install via the View CLI or so. Oh, that's their default now. If we cool. didn't, you know it now. Yeah, <laughs> I think we did. It's can can I ask a quick uh, stupid question? No stupid questions. <laughs> okay, no. a very a very clever question then. <laughs> uh, so is uh, view three is that uh, TypeScript uh, enabled or like by default or do you have to do something to? Get to I'm the not sure if it's enabled by okay. default. The only thing I know is that view three was written from scratch and it is written in TypeScript now. Um, okay. And I'm pretty sure they would. I I haven't gone through a lot of the docs yet because I haven't worked with you that much. Uh, but I assume that they would recommend you to use TypeScript. I don't know if it's enabled by default. Okay. That I but are, are you are you using TypeScript in that project? No, not in this project. No. Okay. No. Got it. So it is possible to do it without. Yes. Yeah. All right. That's pretty cool, actually. Cool. Uh, what about awesome. you, Paul? Uh, yeah, I mean, we've, we've been hit by, uh, by Corona for the last couple of weeks. First, it was my oldest son, uh, for a week. Uh, and he, he wasn't sick at all. He was just at home. 
um, with the way it is now. Uh, and then my wife is sick now, and she's actually sick. Uh, it's been a couple of days now. She should be fine. I'm getting a test with my youngest tomorrow. So, so that has been taking up pretty much all of our spare time. Um, so it's been a little hard to make plans and get out of the house and, and what have you. I mean, even though I know I'm not, you know, I'm I can go out the house. It's, it's just we haven't been able to see friends and family and what have you, um, which is fine. Um, so I've just been contemplating uh whether or not i should just lock them all up in a room with all the games coming out um <laughs> uh, it's gonna take off all my time <laughs> um but i guess i have to be an adult and 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 manage the time a little better um so there's that <laughs> and then um on work side of things um still the same project but we launched um another application i think i can't remember if i actually mentioned it last time i might have done that and then and if so i'm uh, sorry but but this uh this little brother to a user management system so sort of like a delegated user management system that the customers can use themselves um to manage their little part of the world um so that's pretty cool and then we're doing a lot of cleanup a lot of um refactoring um these days which is actually pretty cool it's nice to clean up uh, i think we can all agree that removing code is fun um but also we're seeing like some huge performance leaps uh, especially in one of the most used applications um, and and uh, worthy note here is that uh, the refactoring there of the largest part of that is actually in the backend and the way they fetch all the data so so it's not uh <laughs> i didn't do anything here uh so uh, b- but it's still like factor factor 10 15 on some of the the endpoints as in, in in speed and stuff like that so that's really insane i think the median before was like six to seven seconds um, and that's with a lot of data still and the median now is like uh, less than a second it's like uh, six to eight hundred milliseconds um so so wow. it's that feels yeah it's really really great like the um test manager did a whole regression test and a whole like performance test setup so he has like reports of all the calls and error rates and stuff like that. that's actually actually pretty cool i'll show it to you at some point michael he has we have a whole wiki page on it cool so all the code you removed there was all the loading states you don't need them anymore <laughs> More or less, actually, but it's funny. But yeah, yeah, we we did we, we had. Um, I think when you downloaded reports or whatever, we had this this um, progress, you know, where where you could update the progress and it would show, you know, like percentages zero to a hundred. Um, and apparently, that service in the backend had been broken for a long while too. So it never returned a hundred. So the front end would never stop asking for it either because you know it it would wait for a hundred, right? <laughs> <laughs> which is broken anyways <laughs> so that's nice um so yeah we removed all that now <laughs> which is good um yeah yeah but that's been that's been uh quite joyful nice. so I, th- I think that's uh that's about that's about it it's still angular land for me um mm. we're yeah yeah cool good stuff uh, how's the tailwind working out for you um, yeah, I was actually, yeah, um, um, and that's the bit, right? I've been building a couple new components for, for some of the new stuff we're building now. Um, and the last couple of days and, and been using, yeah, Tailwind for that. Like, like instead of going in, like, oh, I need a class for this or whatever, I've been building them up with, you know, with Tailwind uh, classes. Uh, I had, I had to, uh, the docs are really good. Uh, I had to look up a, a bit. Like, I think it's a bit finicky when you're dealing with uh, borders. Like, if I just want a border bottom, I think that's a little funny because you sort of need to, to apply a border to everything and then just set only the bottom width or whatever it is. Uh, but, but yeah, maybe I'm yeah. just doing it wrong. But yeah, yeah, um, that's the not not to go into that. But that's the way they've set it up. They actually have a border with by default in their reset CSS. So if you would use their reset, 
it would be a, a bit easier. But that sometimes ah. conflicts with like existing projects. So, yeah. But okay, it, that, a, that explains it why it's finicky. like so. Yeah. Sure. Okay. Okay. Cool. cool. But but yeah, I've been been happy happy using it, and we're we're finally moving on. I talked to UX about it. Uh, finally moving in on some of the spacing values and, and and getting those aligned as well. Because now that I'm building new components, I'm trying to you know follow the scale he made um, that they have over in Figma. Um, and naturally, some of our font sizes and, and stuff that we had in the program already um, are not within that scale. So we're finally aligning a little as well. So um, it's a little hard doing that as you go, I think. Um, if we talk about refactoring here, uh, middle as well, it's, it's um, because like all the old values are like scattered about. It's like if we just changed, you know, like the H2s or whatever, um, it, we would have to go around and, and, and look up all that as well. So I think it's... Uh, it's it's not as clear cut as I want it to be, but I guess that's just the way it is when when CSS is is uh, built the way it was back then, and then we're trying to modernize it. Yeah, yeah, yeah I think refactoring uh, like JS on an old site can definitely be time consuming and stuff, but I usually find the CSS the most difficult part. If you have like a four or five year old project and you need to start aligning stuff, uh, it's it's difficult to yes. to test UI <laughs> properly, right? And yeah, very it, difficult. It, uh, CSS doesn't yell at you if you're doing something wrong. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You, you, you have to actually see it. Yeah. Hey, this so, border yeah. used to be red, and now it's yeah, yeah, it doesn't work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Exactly. All right. Um, so uh, for myself, I have been, uh, or my entire family has been also hit hit by uh, Corona. So uh, we have been through that thing. Um, I still have something a little bit uh, in my throat. Uh, I hope not that you can hear it on my voice, but um, it's uh, it's okay. Yeah, I know, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but that's nothing new. Um, so, uh, but it, it, it's been fine. Um, we have been very uh, lucky. We have only been lightly um, uh, touched by it, so it's uh, it's fine. Um, but uh, so. I have been uh, working, uh, and also I can't remember if I mentioned this last time, but I'm working on a uh, on one client. I'm working on a performance uh, improvement. Um, so, like a lot of different things, we're trying to do to improve the performance, which is really uh, great. Uh, I love that kind of work. Uh, and then on another client, I'm doing uh, components in a component uh, library, like a storybook setup. Uh, with Angular components, so I'm actually doing a lot of uh, the stuff that I really like. So that's uh, that's great. I was just going to say that's probably your top two client <laughs> kind of work. <laughs> it is. It, ex- <laughs> it actually is. So nice. Not that bad, actually. Good stuff. Um, yeah. So uh, and for the performance uh, stuff, I'm using a tool called uh, Speed Curve, which uh, we might be able to talk to talk, talk about in a future episode. That would be fun. Um, I like it a lot. So, uh, yeah, we'll see about that. Um, but, uh, yeah, let's talk about uh, today's uh, topic. All right. So, uh, today we're going to talk about uh being a consultant, which is not as technical as the uh, previous episodes, but today we're going to 
talk about uh, a bit more like uh, work life uh, or like non non technical stuff uh, like being a consultant uh, being at uh, a trusted advisor or what you what you want to call it um, so and i thought it would be fun to like uh, so if we're going to talk about being a consultant it may be it's maybe easy to also uh, talk about not being a consultant and uh, so for example being in house Um, so like being in a company where you are in the IT department and developing software for your own company. Um, and that's the opposite of being a consultant, right? So where you are uh, hired in from an external company um, and you are hired to do uh, certain stuff and coming with fresh eyes and helping out with whatever uh, the need may be. Uh, and then there's also the the freelance, uh, which I have no experience with at all. Uh, but is I, I see that also as a consultant, but it's a little bit different because you're your own boss, right? Um, More hats. Yes, <laughs> a lot of hats. Um, I guess there's two. I'm not experienced at all being a freelancer, but I guess there's two ways to do it, right? You can, as you say, you can kind of do it your own on your own completely and be your own boss. But I think there's also, I don't know if you would call it an agency or something that helps that you're more on like a contract. You're still a freelancer, but you're uh, mm. more on a contract basis where you get projects. Uh, yeah. So, so time. someone is taking care of the paperwork sort of. Yeah. Yeah. For you. Yeah. 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 You're right. Um, yeah, I, I have only been in. Uh, I have been mostly a consultant, actually. I, I did. I, I did the math uh, before, and I have, have actually been a consultant for thirteen years, uh, and only like in house for, yeah, I don't know, three months. Uh, oh my god! And then How also, old are you, Mikkel? I'm very old. <laughs> uh, but also, I've been. I've also been in house, like during my education like the internship uh, which was a long time also so uh, but anyway so i'm i'm mostly uh, experienced in being a consultant i almost don't know how not to be uh, so uh, what about you guys uh, now that you mentioned because before the episode you asked me you haven't worked in house right kevin i said nope but then you mentioned internship and that's right i did do a couple of months uh, mm-hmm. during school Uh, my first internship was uh, was in house, but yeah, uh, I was very fresh in in development. <laughs> of course, it was an internship, so um, yeah. Um, but yeah, the, there the the code was owned by the company. I guess that's a big yeah. difference, which we'll get into in a bit. Um, and then, yeah, apart from that, I've been uh, a consultant, and uh, maybe a bit of a funny story. I haven't been a freelancer per se, but before I joined. The company I work at now with you guys, uh, I worked at another company and how I gotten to know uh, my current company was actually that I kind of freelanced, but whilst while I was still employed at my old company, so I was kind of, I guess you'd call it rented out <laughs> in that way, because we were a very small team and we're running low on tasks and our current company was rent looking... Sorry. Rent a dev. Rent, rent, rent a dev. <laughs> rent a dot dev. Yeah, um, and uh, yeah. So that that's how I actually started. So it wasn't really freelance, but it kind of gave that feeling a little bit. Um, not yeah, uh, yeah. So that was a 
that was that. And then I've been, yeah, a consultant ever, ever since, uh, which has only been like three years, but yeah. Yeah. What about you, Paul? Um, <clears throat> sorry. Um, yeah, I think my situation is uh, like the start of it is a bit like both of yours actually, like it started with my internship. Um, and around the time I did my exam at a company that had their own product. Um, I ended up getting hired there as well afterwards, of course. So, so the thing I was working on, I ended up actually, you know, continuing to work on, on that project. Um, and, and I actually worked there for a lot of years now that I think about it, three, three, I have between three and four years, I think before, <clears throat> oh, sorry, my voice before I, I, I got over to, uh, to where we are now. Um, and, and the funny thing is actually now that we're talking about the whole in-house consultant thing is that I actually, I sort of wanted a little more, uh, you know, customer contact, if you may. Um, so I actually think I, I, I sort of craved the consultant role, um, before I even got into it. Um, and be, at least at, at, towards the end of, of, of my hire where I was before I was, uh, I, I did start to, to do some tasks that involved the clients and talking to them. And I was like, I was, uh, I really enjoyed it. Um, not to say I didn't enjoy working on the in-house thing, but it just never felt, um, I didn't feel as big as, you know, I, I didn't feel the impact like of whatever I built and it got out there. And the only sort of, you know, feedback I got from was from the support team, right? So not directly from a customer or anything like that. So it, it didn't feel as rewarding, I would say. But uh, but that was my entry into it. And then, then yeah, I've been a consultant uh, for the last almost five years now, four, four years now. Um, um, and funny thing is, um, with what you said, Kevin, about, you know, um, you, you know, you had that consultant feeling that freelance feeling where you were before, right? Um, because I've been on the same client for the last four years, I sort of feel like that, like I'm mostly part of their team, right? Especially because I'm there so many hours. Um, so I actually have a little of that feeling with our current company, actually, that I'm sort of just rented out. <laughs> I, I guess it, in an, in a sense, that's what consultants are, and you know, depending on how many hours they're assigned. But yeah, yeah, I think as a, as a consultant, it can be very different. You can have projects where you've of course, you're of course working always on like uh, a code base that the client owns or will own uh, once it's done. Um, but it can be very different, and you're still working in your. I think we still work apart from from you, maybe Paul. We still work a lot in our office uh at our company working on these client projects with our team uh and and stuff like that but yeah a lot of do we have an office <laughs> but uh <laughs> i guess a lot of consultancy work can also be working with yeah the, the people at the other company like you do a lot and, and sitting at their office and and stuff like that so it can be very very different in that sense yeah indeed uh, there, are, there are many ways to to do it, like many different uh, constellations. Um, uh, so I forgot to mention that I uh, so I, I've been in total uh, like thirteen years a consultant, but uh, it has been in over like two two different companies. So I think it was uh, eight years in the first one, and now in my current company, uh, know it it's uh, five years. So it's um, and then I had three months uh, in between in a in-house uh, place and I did not like it. <laughs> so <laughs> I, uh, I, I quit uh, and hope, and I got my, my, 
like our applause. I will say actually my my dream job at the time, um, which is still my current job. So um, I uh, I was very happy to get out of that, and I think also it has something to do with I. I had a hard time uh, not being a consultant anymore because there was a lot of things that were that were, that were different, right? Because for for the first time, I didn't have to register my time anywhere, and it sounds like a trivial thing, uh, but it was a huge thing for me <laughs> because I, I I didn't know when I I could stop like stop working and what when was I when has I done uh, enough, you know. Um, Maybe it sounds weird, but but it, I, I I had a hard time uh, like feeling comfortable uh, doing that. Um, so that was one of the reasons. Um, yeah. So, but but there are many differences, uh, I think, uh, and also it's just uh, <clears throat> a habit. It's a hard to break habit, I, I guess, when you have done this so, for so many years. Then it's hard to not do it the same way. So. Um, <clears throat> but I guess uh, maybe we should talk a bit about the, the process uh, of being a consultant, uh, like how, what's different uh, in, in the process uh, when when building uh, software as a consultant and as a in-house. Um, and uh, so I think uh, as a consultant, maybe you're you are chipping in or like you are doing a pitch for a client. Uh, uh, as, as a company, and then you maybe you win the assignment, and then you maybe you build something new, maybe you don't, uh, maybe you take over the existing uh, code base, uh, and that's very like different from being an in-house because then then you have the then you know a lot of things already, and you have this ongoing uh, code base, and uh, so then then you have to convince maybe like if you want to build it from scratch, then you have to convince the the people higher up. Uh, that that is a good idea. Um, so it's a little bit different, but again, it's it's almost uh, there are things that are the same. So, in, any thoughts or comments from you guys? Um, well, yeah, I um, <clears throat> there is definitely that, and and I was just going to ask because I've never actually sort of participated in the first pitch period, but but I know that that for some pitches, you know, like we we do pull in developers and ask for their take on technologies, I guess, especially. Um, also depending on the on the type of clients um but but process wise uh, for me as well i think um an important thing here as well is like when you're working with clients like this the ownership feeling or the responsibility feeling at least i think it's a little different it's something you got to get used to right it's it's um you know when when it's the product like when you're in house and you're working on a product right then of course of course you're going you're going to try and build everything as robust as you can and as good as you can right um, um um it directly affects you right but but sometimes if you make an error like on a on a you know client code base or whatever um then maybe at least for some developers i guess you don't feel the same sense of responsibility there also depending on on the way the project is is set up and etc and and I feel that's an important thing to to note, like an important difference at least, is that you know it's their code base. So also don't try and get too attached, I guess. Uh, and that's easy for me to say, right? Because I've been on the same code base for four years. Like the whole front end is practically me. Um, and 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 I bet I bet it's gonna be weird the day that I'm not gonna be on that project anymore uh, because it's like it's like my freaking child. Um, <laughs> so there's that too. So I, th I think just important note there is that 
there's definitely a difference in you know responsibility and the weight of responsibility i think that there's also something uh, to say to be said about uh, like when when we are consultants we are working in a uh, cross discipline team like we have uh, we're not only developers we are also so like we we're frontenders but we also have backenders and we have uh, architects and we have uh, ux Uh, people and we have designers and we have uh, project managers and and so on and so on and QA and what have you um, and if you work in in house uh, it's not a guarantee that that all of these disciplines will be there like uh, maybe you don't have UX and maybe you don't have designers um, maybe the, you you get the design and the UX uh, from from outside um so that's also something uh, I, i think it's a big difference uh, because i i've seen that, i've seen that um, sometimes uh, and i've also myself worked with uh, like in a constellation where we got the design from another company uh, and we were only doing the implementation part of it right and i think that's a big uh, big part of it uh, and i personally i really like working with designers and uxs uh, working really closely um, when implementing So I imagine it can be uh, really hard to to work in a setup where you only uh, where we just get the design handed over and then uh, here you go uh, please please program this <laughs> right uh, I've so, tried that uh, yeah and it's not uh, funny because uh, and then then you might get some feedback at some point like uh, maybe <laughs> or back in the days maybe you got a PDF with the red lines. Uh, and, and some screenshots. It's uh, it's not a great process um, to me, at least. No, I've tried and that for before. communication. It's hard. Sorry. Yeah, sorry. Uh, I tried that before as well uh, on one project where we got uh, at my previous company where we got the design from uh, from an external company. Uh, so we had us and an external com design company, and then the client was a third company. So it was. Sometimes uh, now we're used to if I have a design or UX question, I just write them right. <laughs> just like, hey, yeah. what what do we do here? And you know, when translating wireframes or design into code, there's always questions about different states and behaviors and animations and how stuff should work together. You can't really put in a wireframe a lot of the time. And and I remember having those questions as well, and then having to write an email to the design company and then maybe you hear back two days later and then you're just like in the meantime you have to get going so you just implement something and then it just ends up being being a bit messy or then the designer comes back and says like oh i made a solution but then you've already built something <laughs> so you're like should we really spend the time actually doing this and it's just a mess uh, so <laughs> yeah. that that's definitely a really nice thing about working in a cross-discipline team um is working closely together with with designers and UXers, and I really like that part as well. Yeah, sorry, I, I had a, a an extra point here as well, because um, it just occurred to me, right, because there's the whole thing about the, the setup, and but there's also different ways of being a consultant for some of these clients, right, because some of the clients, like, and I think you've been in this situation as well, Mikkel, right, where, where like, the, the, the base team that you work with is actually their developers. Like, some, some clients we work with have their own development team, and we're sort of just helping them, right, or doing something in areas of expertise they don't have themselves you know like maybe they're pure backend and we just provide ux design front end um and 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 that also creates an interesting dynamic because the project i'm on for example like there are no other developers 
um, of their own, actually. Like the other, the backender on the project comes from an entirely different company. And at one point, we had one from another company as well, right? So all consultants based, like consultants from different companies working together with the client. So the client is really only the, um, the project part of it, like, like the, the owner. Uh, and then uh, in my case, there's an architect as well. Um, so like the constellation of how the client communication or the client team is set up with, you know, our team uh, or just maybe one or two consultants, depending, of course, on the size of, of the project, right? Um, I think it's very important too, um, because I think, and at least, again, I can only speak from the experience of my point of view here is that um, I could imagine it's very different being a consultant when you are dealing with a client that has their own developers in your own expertise area as well. So you're sort of like part of that team. And I think you you can maybe <laughs> answer that other part of that uh, story here, Mikkel. Uh, yeah, you're right. I, I was in a, in a long-term relationship with a, with a client and it, uh, like, I think, was like maybe more, almost five years, actually. Um, and uh, so I was... Uh, I, I took on like a, a lead front end uh, role, um, and the other uh, front end uh, interns, no, not not interns like that, but in house developers were uh, more uh, like a, on a um, uh, not not senior level. Um, so I, I took on the the, the, the lead role and uh, also teach them a lot of uh, uh, like. Things that I that I knew, of course, uh, but it was also so it was sort of like training them about front end, uh, but it was also about uh, like identifying pain points in the in the code base and uh, like finding where uh, the problems are and uh, suggesting solutions and like you know presenting uh, solutions and and, and discussing uh, pros and cons. Um, and then maybe we agreed on on that some solution that I came up with if, after I investigated something, and then uh, you know building out prototypes and and see if it actually uh, worked, uh, and then slowly those prototypes maybe became into the the real uh, solution, and then got expanded. Um, so it was a lot of like both uh, training uh, more junior developers, but also. Uh, doing like front end architecture uh, stuff, so uh, a lot of a lot of great great uh, experiences uh, I, I had. Um, yeah, so that was more of a yeah. As, as if, I think you just said it yourself, right? And an architect role, uh, and then also I guess you know you had the whole mentoring part of it. Um, mm, yeah, and it's funny just the way that you explained it, right? If you come from the outside world, that sounds exactly like it. Just is being a consultant, right? You help them, like yeah, that's the basis exactly. of it, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so that's that's basically what what you can boil it down to. Like uh, being a consultant, you 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 come and you help because you know, maybe you have you have some expertise that is uh, needed, uh, or you have some experiences that are needed, um, and and then you help out the best you can and advise uh, based on your own experiences. Um, I think that that's also one of the uh, one of the differences between uh, an in-house and a consultant because as a consultant. Uh, you get to see a lot of stuff, right? You, you, because you are transferred to to many different clients and many different projects, so you get to to start over again and again, <laughs> and, and thereby you 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 get a lot of experiences really fast. 
uh, if you're an in-house, uh, I would imagine that it's really it takes a really long time to get the same amount of experience um, because you you are stuck sort of with the same code base, um, which it doesn't have to be bad, but you know you, you get a lot of uh, like I, I think you get a lot of lot of experience much faster as a consultant because you are doing a lot of more projects. Um, yeah, I think that's, that's also. Yeah, sorry. I think that's also a really good point. Um, now that you've mentioned it, uh, you get a lot of different experiences. Um, a good example uh, for me would be something like Tailwind that I got into, or Stencil that I got into not that long ago. Uh, these kind of things. If you have a, like a big product and you're an in-house developer, and it's like a product that you're working on for a lot of years and something maybe that's built on let's say react and that's pretty much all you get right you're not going mm. to suddenly start using view or stencil or maybe stencil um and and you're not going to suddenly start using new frameworks or new tech just to try it out or just to to do something else uh, and that's you have much more of a chance of that in, in the consultancy business i think um because yeah. you you are involved in many projects and, and, and also, um, at least in our company, we start up new projects fairly regularly or every now and then at least, um, where you can try out new stuff in a modern setup. And if you have to put a modern setup in a five year old, uh, product, we all know that can be very, very difficult. So it's a really good point. And time consuming. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think uh, another thing that that just sprung to mind here um, is the whole money aspect of it. Um, like, 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 example the setup I'm in, where we're like, you know, we're lots of different consultants from different companies working on the same team at this, you know, this central client. Um, and then I think it was someone, one of my friends or whatever, I can't remember, um, asked me like, you know, but why aren't these all just, you know, employed by the client themselves? Like, why can't they have all these people themselves and just build it? Um, and and that's where the thing is, you know, like they could, like the client you mentioned, Mikkel had their own front-end developers, then they maybe just weren't as experienced at that point. So you use consultants to train them. But there's the other part of the coin as well, like, and I think we touched upon it when we talked about in-house, right? That sometimes you got to be sort of a jack-of-all-trades, especially depending on the size of the company. Um I remember where I was, you know, like we didn't have, you know, we didn't have a back-end, uh, front-end uh, UX and design, like design was external as well, like consultant. UX, we didn't have any of that, so we sort of had to do that ourselves. Um, and and when you do it like this, they can quickly scale a team, like the client can quickly scale a team. Um, we've, you know, you both have been on a project that I work on as well, right? And that was the scaling thing, right? That was like, okay, so for this period of time, we got to have, you know, more front end. Um, so they hire in more. And of course, you know, like I'm not saying consultants are free, you know, we cost a lot of money as well, but we definitely cost less money than if they had to, you know, have just for this case, right, three, three front-end developers hired themselves, you know, paying them. And then for a period of time, they only used one of them. And well, what are the two others going to do, right? Um, so there's definitely the, the money part, the money aspect of it as well. And, uh, you know, that's just consultancy in the world. You know, like uh, we're not the first ones to to either talk about it or, or you know, in, in, in that sense. But, but that's... Um, it dawned on me when I explained it to my friends, you know, like, yeah, that, you know, that's just, that's why it exists, right? It's a yeah. money thing as well. Yeah. It's a scaling thing. Yeah. And it's, it's yeah. not, yeah, like it's not just a, a money thing, but yeah, as you say, if you, you have 
a certain amount of developers employed in-house, uh, then yeah, that's it, right? If you then suddenly scale down in work, then your only option is to, I guess, fire one or <laughs> or make them do other stuff if that's possible. But if you're a consultant in a consultancy setup, you can, as you say, scale up and down uh, as, as the project needs it. Um, a lot of the time you need a lot of developers in the beginning um, and then maybe down the line you can scale down a little bit when it goes to more a uh, when the project is uh, maybe also a bit different because we work on a lot of not what you work on Paul mostly but uh, I think a lot of projects me and Mick will do from time to time the CMS base uh, I guess content sites you can call them um, at some point they're kind of considered done uh, in one way, then it's when the editors start putting in all the content and kind of hand it over to the client, etc. Um, and uh, then, then you usually scale down a lot and go into this more supportive mode of then you maybe add some a feature here and there that they find out they want or some bug fixing, and but it's not at all the same capacity as you as you start out with, um, and then maybe one, two years down the road, they're like, now we have a big budget and we want to add all these features and then you can scale up again and things like that. Yeah, exactly. I agree. It's. Uh, I think it also depends on, as you just mentioned, uh, Kevin, like uh, on on budgets. Like if if the, the management said uh, or something, someone in the company said, like we need a new website. This is not. It's looking old, and we need to be up to date. So maybe they get a budget next year for like uh, a huge budget for a new website. But if they have to to hire people and maybe train them and they also have to pay insurance and pay their vacation and a lot of stuff. So it's much easier to just hire consultants and then uh, nobody gets uh, upset <laughs> when you like fire them because they're not like your employees. So I think it's uh, it makes sense. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, we do that as a, as a consultancy business as well, right? We've, we've, I know I've seen projects as well where we hire freelancers for a period of time, mm. um, you know, for projects. If we, if we sort of go over the cap, over capacity, I would say, right? Um, yeah. and that, that's just the way it is, but, but that's part of it too, right? I mean, um, yeah, there are the peak periods and, uh, then it's maybe hard, hard to find the right people that you need. Um, so, um, that's, uh, Solution definitely um, to use at, freelancers yeah the beginning of the year is usually a bit slower in most cases a bit slower than yeah. the end of the year when client has to oh, suddenly yes. has budget left they need to spend or something <laughs> and they suddenly want to and all these things yeah. <laughs> and then in the new year it kind of calms down a bit usually the first couple of months yeah, yeah. and then he's burned some cash in the <laughs> last <laughs> a couple of months yeah uh there there's also uh, sorry if i can just before we continue Miguel, um, um the, the last bit of it as well because now we talked about scaling and, and money and that sort of thing as well as uh as well right but there's also the, the like the expertise area thing right because again like we've worked with clients that have like insanely brilliant and smart like backend developers or data analysts or what have you right but they might not know the next thing about building a UI or anything like that. And, and that's where, that's another consultancy part is, right? That you usually hire people with a specific set of skills, like an expertise area, right? They're like not many companies have their own, like, unless they're in very, very large, of course, like their own, like d development team for Android and iOS or whatever, you know, like, because 
they're insanely expensive as well because they're really really focused on on the tech they work with right so so there's that so, so you know consultancy is just born out of that sorry yeah i think that's where the cross discipline comes up again because uh, as you say if, if might have some some back end devs or something uh, in house but then if you if you need a ui uh, okay then we need front enders we also need designers and maybe uxers and you know uh, all these different things and, and a consultancy uh, contract or firm can solve all of those for you in one package so you get the whole you know ui design front end as like a package deal <laughs> instead of if you have to hire all these people separately that's can be a lot of people involved uh, yeah. at the same time where backend is maybe a bit more or maybe talking maybe make it sound a bit too easy is maybe a bit more straightforward to to hire for um, than building a ui and an experience uh, yeah yeah this almost sounds like a commercial for for ourselves. <laughs> yeah, almost. <laughs> but uh, we are really great. Go hire us. <laughs> We're fucking amazing. All right. Uh, so before wrapping up, I think uh, maybe Paul, you can talk a bit about uh, because you have had a. Uh, an experience uh, as a consultant uh, lately. So maybe you can talk a bit about that. Yes, I would love to. Um, yeah, so the thing I'm going to be talking about is actually making a sales pitch as a developer because we've been talking about now being a consultant, you know, being an advisor, um, being a mentor and a trainer, I guess, for clients and their, you know, maybe their developers and stuff like that. Um, and usually, at least for me, I know some people are different, um, but I never take part in sales pitches. Uh, it's usually you know, maybe some UX, maybe some design marketing. We have salespeople that are really good at all this. Um, and they, of course, converse and, and talk to us about, you know, maybe some of the technicalities, but usually we are not the ones going in and making sales pitches. Um, but. We as developers are, at least from my point of view, right, depending on the projects. And again, my project has been running for, for years now. Um, so I'm very deeply involved with the code and, and how it works. And over time, I saw, you know, a sort of need for change. Uh, and, and we, we made a, a prototype of what could be done. Um, and then uh, I actually made a sales pitch to our client and I. You know, I sort of started, I got help from, you know, from some of our people, UX and, and, and the team lead as well, like going over it, like, how should I pitch this? What, when was the right time and what angle should I take? Um, but, but what it boiled down to was that, and, and maybe I should have mentioned this at first, I guess, but it, this is about feature toggles in code because we had some issues with, um, um, with branching strategies, et cetera, and Git. And I know that can be solved in a multitude of ways, but we had other cool things we could do if we implemented feature flags, at least from my point of view, of course. Um, so I made a presentation. I made a POC. Um, actually made some of the code <laughs> up front just to sort of show what it was, right? Um, and I made a, a sales pitch, and, and they actually uh, uh, they went ahead with it. I, I we ended up having to wait a year until we started implementing it because they had a lot of other stuff in the pipeline, which is fair enough. Um, but now, actually, um, that's the success story of it, right? They they bought into it. You know, it's working and we're using it. And now they're really getting the benefit of it because now we're actually some of the new features we have, like they're pushed directly to production behind Flex, um, being tested on some production data because 
some clients' production data, you know, test data can be a little finicky and and maybe outright bad. Um, and in this case, some of the some of the key pain points that this feature that we just released um, sort of uh, uh, took care of was a performance thing. And we only ever had that much data in production to really see it there. So, so they're making really good use of it. And, and it's been an amazing feeling, like not just being part of this development team creating the feature, but also being like, you know, I'm actually responsible for us even talking about this and implementing it in the first place. And that's, that's about it. I mean... Yeah. And that's not for everyone. I know not every developer wants to be a salesperson too. And I don't think I'm going to go out there and just switch jobs and be like, yeah, I want to sell products now. Um, but I think it's cool that, and it's a thing to remember that we also always have a voice as developers. Like we are, you know, hopefully at least, you know, we are experts in our field, right? And, and, and again, we, as consultants, we not just, we don't just build, you know, whatever they say, build A and B, you know, sometimes we, we we look at things in a, with a critical mind and say, you know, like, yeah, but maybe maybe you should do C or maybe this would benefit your product as well, you know, because I'm not building my product, I know that, um, but you know, a happy client makes uh, <laughs> ensures that we work with them again in the future, hopefully, right? So there's that. Yeah, and also comes down to like being a good consultant is like about helping uh, the client, right? And it's uh, so that also. Is something about recommending uh, a, a better solution if you can see that, that there's a need for something. So yeah, that's great. Yeah. So if I may add uh, to that, and that's I'm not going to dig deeper into this one, but it's just sort of like to our listeners, if there are other developers out there that think they, you know, they might work with a client or whatever. If you have a like, if you have an idea or anything that could improve their product or make your life you know life easier as a developer as well like it might be a developer experience thing right um workflow whatever um you know maybe first talk to your own managers or whoever's you know responsible for this client or whatever um so you know take it internally first but then definitely go for it if you think you have if you if you think you have a case um that is not you know ungodly expensive or anything like that of course depends um but go for it i mean you know uh use some of that knowledge so uh, I think that was it for this episode. See you next time. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the CodeFlitz podcast. If you like this episode, please share it with your friends or add a review in your favorite podcast player. You can also find us on Twitter at CodeFlitz or on our website, CodeFlitzPodcast.com. Until next time, take care.